Welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we are going to tell each other about some weird stuff. Yeah. Care to listen in? <laughs> Tune in, dummies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to, before we get into our larger topics for the evening, mm-hmm. uh, mine's going to take us to the, the windy gales of Scotland. Oh, okay. Well, mine's going to take us into our very minds. Oh. Mine's going to take us into the mind. Whatever. Okay, whatever. It's hard to say. Before we get to that stuff, Kristen yep. has a, a shorter topic. Because when we don't have room uh, to expand something into its own half a show, mm-hmm. we snap into Mini Monster Madness. That's right. So this mini monster comes from our friend and listener, Diana Standen. She suggested it um, in the live chat that we have when we record every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube.com slash TalkBomb. Um, so you guys can watch that if you like. You guys can talk to other listeners while it's going on. And Diana mentioned something called La Pascualita. In the chat, while I was talking about the dolls at the Warren's Occult Museum a couple of weeks ago, mm. and she also popped a link about La Pascualita into the Guides of the Unknown Secret Society private Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash pod. And so we're going to talk about La Pascualita right now. I'm really looking forward to this. Actually, I listened back to last week's episode and yeah. heard we mentioned it last week yes. on the show, and I was like... I'm such an idiot. I should have mm-hmm. looked into that for this week. I'm really happy that you're about to tell us about this. Oh, good. Well, it's a nice, tight little story. It's a perfect mini monster. So the deal with La Pascualita is that it is a now tourist attraction in Chihuahua, Mexico. It is a mannequin in the window of a bridal shop that legend has it is not a mannequin, but is a corpse of a, of a real person who has passed standing in the window of this bridal shop wearing a wedding gown. So the reason people think this is that when she appeared in the 1930s, this bridal shop was owned by a woman named Pascuala Esparza, whose daughter had died not super long ago before, or not, you know, not super long before the mannequin showed up and said that the daughter died on her wedding day, wedding dress. Right. And, like a lot of cool urban legends and stuff, there are kind of different stories about it. Some of the stories say that she died from a spider bite, some from a scorpion bite, and then there are other stories that branch off from there. So because there are two stories about bites killing this woman, I have to think that it probably is closest to the truth rather than some of the more outlandish things, which I don't even remember because people just kind of don't really believe them sure. in the sources that I saw. But so not long after Pasquale's daughter died, this mannequin showed up in the window and people were like, does this not kind of look like Pasquale's daughter? This is this is weird, right? <laughs> oh my god! And they looked closely, and you can look it up. Like it's not like if you just look at the mannequin, it's so lifelike in the face or anything. But the things that people call out in particular are the mannequin's hands, which I will say do look extremely lifelike. Like this mannequin is definitely very detailed in that way. They look like human hands huh. it's crazy like they have like creasing and like wrinkles where your knuckles are and they have fingernails like not just like formed plastic into the shape of fingernails it looks like there's something extra on the mannequin they really do look s- extremely lifelike and for sure most mannequins i mean maybe this is also in contrast to what mannequins are typically like because yeah. i feel like especially now they're sort of a little more abstract yeah totally you know like their features aren't fully articulated right their hands are just kind of like little plastic kind of hot shape dogs of hands and they probably don't even have space between the fingers you yeah, know exactly, what i mean because yeah. it's just not really necessary like a barbie or something like right. that but this has extremely lifelike hands so if you were to just zone in on that i could see why you'd be like 
this is like a, a human doll, yeah. especially in the 1930s, where maybe access to information about how human bodies could be preserved or not wasn't as readily available, um, which I'll get into a little bit in a couple minutes for, as for reasons why this is not a human. It's right. just like it's not possible. Um, the other thing that I couldn't find pictures of online, but are also kind of like a check in the real body column for a lot of people who think La Pasqualita is real, is that apparently she has varicose veins. On her legs. Okay. So I guess just whoever made this mannequin made it extremely detailed. Went to the nines. Yeah, definitely. Um, so here's the thing. She's definitely not real because there are basically two avenues that you could go down if you wanted to preserve a human in this way and like that are kind of the two theories about La Pasqualita if she were real. One is that she'd be a taxidermied human. The thing is like – and I didn't know this until reading about this – when animals are taxidermied, they're able to look kind of real and preserved in a way that seems like what they would look like in real life because they're covered in fur that's covering up the seams and stitches mm. from yeah. taxidermying, which is like kind of opening their bodies and stuffing them with stuff. I don't even know what, sawdust or whatever, and then sewing them back up. And you can't see those seams because they're covered in hair. A human isn't covered in hair like that, most of them. So you would be able to see the seams even in places where the dress is covering. Like it just it's just definitely not the case. The other option was that maybe she was extremely well embalmed with like unbelievable care, but that's also just not viable. Like some people kind of point to um, Lennon is embalmed and his body is on display. Yeah. And people are like, well, it can kind of be done. He looks worse than La Pasqualita <laughs> does. And also there are like a team of doctors and people who are constantly maintaining him. It is a whole thing. He's not propped up in a window. No. Standing. Right. It's a far cry from standing in a window in often direct sunlight. Right. Like there would be odors and all kinds of problems if La Pasqualita were really the daughter of um pasquala well what yeah. about dipped in uh uh you know molten plastic it's a good point and completely oh, encased that, that is another idea again that like her yeah that her body is inside yeah kind of, like entombed within this mannequin right but again the smells and all sorts of things like that have to be extremely industrial insane plastic or whatever the mannequin is made out of right. like it's, it's just not feasible plus even that theory would dismiss mm -hmm. like the fact that like if you were yeah. dipped in plastic, your hands wouldn't look so real. Right, exactly. Why are the hands so real right. then? It just makes sense. Why are there varicose veins? I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess again, it could just be really detailed, but just, just no. Just no. Basically. So it's just a story and it's kind of, it's just kind of a cool, creepy legend. The people who own the bridal shop now are just kind of like, well, I guess I can't say whether it's real or not. Right. You know what I mean? But Pasquala was aware of these rumors because I was thinking about her and like, how did that feel if your daughter died? Right. And everybody's like, oh, this is her body in the window. I didn't find anything about, you know, how she felt about it, but she did say it wasn't true. Right. So I can't imagine that that was great unless pasquala is into creepy stuff maybe ah. maybe she could have found some sort of weird novelty in it if she was like a fan maybe of horror and weird stuff or maybe if her daughter was a fan of horror and weird stuff i'm making this up 
one million percent, I know. by the way. Like, but I would imagine that it was unpleasant, these yeah. rumors. Because it's also like Paints Pasquale is pretty ghoulish. Sure. Yeah, even if even if you're into creepy stuff, yeah. it's like something about your family. Yeah. You know, it's it's so, you know, right. you've, you've tasteless. It's very tasteless. Like the implication is that she did this to her daughter yeah. and is displaying her this way and trying to hide it in plain sight. Like that paints Pasquale is kind of a kook. Right. So it's not the nicest rumor. No. But it is a pretty cool legend. It's a pretty cool legend. Yeah. Plus, anything about like the idea of you know, I think we talked about American Girl dolls recently mm-hmm. as well. They came oh, with we sure did. they came with stands yes. that would grip them about the middle. Yes, to keep them sort of like hoisted up. It's so I spooky. Think it was about the neck. About the neck? I kind of think so. I guess that back. makes sense. It's yeah, weird. Because even if it was in the middle, they could droop. I, yeah. I think it was kind of holding their neck up. Yeah, it's spooky to think of that being done to a dead yes. person to give them the illusion of looking alive. Right. And I think that was done. I mean, this I think is also part of like a heritage of this having been done to some extent for photographs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. People used to be propped up when they were dead to yes. have a photograph taken uh, just to have something to remember them by. Right. So I, I think that a lot of the sort of rumors of Pasqualita mm-hmm. sort of hold from like, well, people have kind of done stuff like That's this That's true. Before. I didn't think about that whatsoever, but you're right. It's not so out of the realm of possibility except for the length of time. Yeah. 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 But man, yeah. Everybody uh, look up La Pasqualita. Yeah. Check it out. Definitely Google it. Look at her body, particularly look at her hands. Yeah. It's worth a goog. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well then, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over okay. for the next few minutes here. Yeah. Uh, and Kristen, I'm going to kick off my topic with a, um, well, a poem. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yes. This poem uh, was written by Sir Walter Scott mm. in The Lady of the Lake. Oh, Sir Mal- so, bleh, Sir Wal- Michael Sir, Scott. Sir Michael Scott. He watched the wheeling eddies boil, till from their foam his dazzled eyes. Beheld the river demon rise. Ooh, river demon. This week on the show, I'm going to talk to you about water horses. Okay. Also known as, essentially, lake monsters. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> We're going to go through a few things. I'm going to give you some of the biggest water horses. Mm-hmm. Water horse is a catch-all term uh-huh. for sort of uh, creatures that live in lakes or large bodies of water yeah. and prey on the living or or pranksters or kill people, do a bunch of stuff. Cool. Like the Loch Ness monster. I was about to say, yeah. Is a water horse. Horse doesn't literally mean what we think of a horse as being. I think yeah, it's, it's supposed to essentially mean water creature. Yeah, almost like how man is humans yeah. for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, there are for sure a bunch of these things that do take on straight up the shape of a horse. Okay. So I can't decide if that's just it being literal or if yeah, you yeah. Know, I don't really know the chicken well, or egg there. Horses come up a lot in kind of lore stuff like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, yeah. things like that. So yeah. it's a popular spooky animal. Yeah, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna uh, uh, the biggest one that I'm gonna tell you about over the course of this topic is called the Nukalavi. Okay. Uh, now here's how it was described on Wikipedia. If I told you nothing else, I would want this to be something that you just think about as like, well, this could really mean just about anything. This yeah. is how Wikipedia describes the Nukalavi, a water horse. This is all, by the way, also in uh, like northern Scotland. Okay. The northern isles of Scotland. Everything yeah. I'm about to tell you. Cool. Here's the quote. The Nukalavi is the most malevolent of the demons in and around the Scottish islands without any redeeming characteristics. <laughs> wow. I mean. 
Doesn't that seem kind of inherent? Yes. Like, we got it. It's a water demon. It both says a lot and really nothing at all. Yeah, like, are you usually like, yeah, this thing is a demon, but he's got a great sense of humor. Right. Exactly, yeah. 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 He's a demon. And on top of that, there's not even one thing I like about him. Yeah, Yeah, loud and clear. Not even one thing. He doesn't even pick up the check when you go out to dinner. No. Nothing. No redeeming qualities. Will, how did you come across this as a topic? I'm honestly just like trying to look for like cool, weird monsters. Cool. I wanted to – there are a few – topics that I, I want to do soon that I think are some of the bigger guns mm-hmm. of horror. Um, and I think that especially recently I've picked um, either sort of like esoteric concepts uh-huh. to talk about. I wanted to really sink into a yeah. bizarre monster. Sweet. Um, and uh, yeah, honestly, just kind of like Googling around. Yeah. And that's when the water horses thing just it like spread out into several different creatures. Like I'm going to tell you about the Nukalavi. That's going to be the big one I tell you about. Yeah. I'm also going to tell you about a couple of other things that are related to the Nukalavi cool. in this topic. And I'm honestly, uh, uh, it's like back to the origins of what I always want a guide to the unknown to be yeah, in a yeah. certain, uh, uh, like, you know, sense. Yeah. Like just like digging into a creature, right. digging into a monster. Right. I definitely remember Googling, I don't even know what term I would have used, monsters or creatures, and just kind of like flicking through the alphabetical thing and I found like gnomes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Like I just kind of want to find weird stuff and categorize yeah. it, yeah. you know? And like even sometimes when I look up topics for this show, I start to get worried because mm-hmm. I'm like, how how long can we <laughs> I go? I know, I know. At a certain point, we'll have just done all the monsters. Right. We've. This is our 81st episode. Yeah. And like, I'm already kind of like, well. I know. I don't even know what. And then I found this. And I was like, you know what? There are a ton There's of obscure so ones there. Yes. that are so cool and mm-hmm. so weird. And yep. I was like very happy to have found the Nukalavi. Yeah. Um. Okay, so basically the name Nukalavi means devil of the sea. Uh, a guy named Samuel Hibbert mm-hmm. says that the nuke from Nukalavi is equivalent to Nick. Oh, okay. Like a man's name, yeah. Nick. Uh, as used in Old Nick, okay. for example, a name sometimes given to the devil of Christian belief. That's right, El Diablo. Combined with the Latin nicere, meaning to kill. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a horse-like demon uh, that combines equine and human elements. Its origin is in Norse mythology, and it is the most horrible of all the demons of Scotland's Northern Isles. Ooh. To say that cool. something is the most horrible is yeah. sort of classic in yes. a way. Horrible meaning, right? You know, the absolute apex of of how terrible something can be. Right. It's the right. Most Not horrible. just a throwaway. It is horrible. It, it's more meaningful than that. It's like using epic in the correct in way. The correct, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you could say like you had a horrible chicken salad sandwich. Right. But the way that that sandwich was horrible is different from the way the Nukalavi is horrible. Yes. This is the pits of despair. Yeah. This is a malevolent creature that wants to rend you limb from limb. You know what, Will? I never realized horror and horrible. Yeah. Never thought about that before. Yeah, I wonder I do wonder like what is the distinction between mm-hmm. the two? I guess horrible is the act of being horrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. They're, but I just it never occurred to me that they were connected. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that is true. Um so the Nukalavi's breath was thought to wilt <laughs> really crops. Really be stinky. Stank and breath. Yeah. The, uh it would wilt crops and sicken livestock. And the creature was held responsible for droughts and epidemics on land, despite predominantly being a sea dweller. Huh. In common with other sea monsters, it is unable to tolerate fresh water. 
Therefore, those who it is pursuing have only to cross a river or stream to be rid of it. So what does that mean? It only likes lakes? Yeah, it likes okay. it likes you know like the the yeah. sort of uh, salt a water, seawater, okay, still water. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't like sparkling water. <laughs> um, they say still waters run deep. There's plenty of room for a water horse to hide down there in that deep. <laughs> yeah, right. But there are this this made me think of like the the headless horseman. Yeah, yeah. Its domain yeah, is all like sleepy hollow. But if you go through that covered bridge, it can't right. get you. I like this idea of. Rules are really yes. important in horror. Yes. And I think it makes a certain amount of sense as well to be like, um, here are the things that it cannot bear. Mm-hmm. And even though it's sort of unexplainable, like I don't have an answer in everything I'm about to tell you of yeah. why fresh water yeah. is the bane of this thing's existence. Right. It just is. But it establishes some stakes and some hope. Yes. Which then might get borne out or it might get snatched away. Yeah. So it makes it scary either way. Yes. One of the best things about hope in yeah. a horror story mm-hmm. is that uh, it might be dangled in front of you. Right. But completely out of reach. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the summer months... The Nukalavi is kept in confinement by the Mither o' the Sea. Whoa. What does Mither mean? Mother. Ooh. Mother of the Sea. That is a scary way to say mother. Mither. Why does it change it so much? Scottish. No, but like just the 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 tone of that sounds scary. Mither. Mither of the Sea. Um, The Mither of the Sea keeps the waters calm around the northern isles of Scotland during her reign, which Mm -hmm. is only in the summer. She has to best Terran, the spirit of winter, derived from Tyrin, which comes from the Norse uh, for angry. Oh. Terran is uh, essentially the, the... the cause for all of the, you know, the disruption in the sea. The, yeah. The water, like, slamming across the rocks, um, life being grinded to a halt in the winter. And then the mither of the sea uh-huh. comes along to best Terran yeah. and bring about the warmer weather and the calmer seas during the summer. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a true personification yeah. of the seasons. Yeah. And then she is so exhausted by having to confine – uh, Terran and the Nukalavi mm-hmm. that in the autumn Terran is able to like wrestle start free. to creep back in. Not even just that. It's oh. described as like he breaks free from her control and her confinement. Yeah. And then they battle until she is forced to flee when she becomes too exhausted and then the winter comes in. Okay, so fall is like the battle between the two of them basically. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was thinking like since fall is like winter s that was when he was creeping back in, but no, it comes in with a bang. Right. They fight over the fall and then he wins for winter. He wins for winter and then she comes back reinvigorated, yeah. repowered up to recapture Terran uh-huh. and bring about again a calm summer. They're trapped in a terrible cycle. They are. Like the Joker and Batman. <laughs> That's true. I think they're destined to do this forever. I think so. Mm-hmm. The uh fishermen during the summer are tempted to uh to believe that the archipelago had become the islands of the blessed mm-hmm. thanks to the mither of the sea. Cool. Yeah. Now, she goes away during the winter, but there I have a note here from Wikipedia. No one knows where she spends the winter. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, where is she chilling? A question it hadn't even occurred to me to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to Wikipedia. Oh, so she's bested during the winter. Yeah. Well, where does she like to go? Yeah, where is she resting up and gathering her strength? Yeah, she go to Boca? Maybe she, maybe she goes to Boca. Yeah, Del Boca Vista? 
<laughs> she comes in lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. So anyway, she's also responsible for confining the Nukalavi yeah. during the uh, the summer. Man, she's got her hands full. Yeah. Oh, she sh- she's most certainly does. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this all has this sort of effect of creating a gigantic myth of the, around the Nukalavi as mm-hmm. something that's impending. It's yes. going to come back. Yeah, as sure as the seasons. Exactly. Yeah. People won't say its name without immediately saying a prayer. Ooh. It's that serious. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, it's believed to look like a horse. It is unique and solitary and possesses extensive evil powers. Its malevolent behavior can influence events throughout the islands, often found in the vicinity of the beach, but it does not come ashore if it is raining. Oh. Again, sort of this idea of like pure clean oh, water. Yeah, that's right. Right? Uh-huh. So somehow the freshness, the, the – Man, they really like detailed that legend. Yeah, the purity of rain and, you know, uh, uh, fresh water ponds and rivers. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's impure. It cannot right. abide – like the clean water. Right. You know what? I wonder if the idea of witches getting wet being a problem is related to this oh, in maybe. any way, shape, or form. That's like really just, interesting. They just can't abide that kind of like purity. There is some shape-shifting stuff that's involved mm-hmm. in the water horse legends. Yeah. And they primarily seem to take the form of men, but sometimes do take the form of women. Yeah. I wonder if the pure water thing is still in effect. These are mm-hmm. essentially like kind of like sea witches too. Right, right. Um, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But even still, I guess just the idea of purity altogether to yeah. banish something that is impure right. makes a certain amount of like magical logic. Yeah, totally. You know? Um, now, in terms of shape-shifting and mm-hmm. stuff, nobody knows what form the Nukalavi takes while it's in the sea alone. Uh, but here are some descriptions of how this sucker looks on land. Yeah. There was essentially um, – there was a guy named Tamas, mm-hmm. which I believe is like the Scottish Thomas, uh-huh. T-A-M-M-A-S, yeah. who had a run-in with the Nukalavi, and he lived to tell the tale. What? Yeah. Tell the tale. Maybe you were just being Scottish for a second. Tell the tale. Like switching around vowels. He yeah. lived to tell the tale. Tell the tale. Uh, of what this thing looks like. The Nukalavi – now, you got to think about a horse. Okay. This whole thing is supposed to be horse-like. Yeah. But here's the twist. It has a man's torso attached to its back as if it were a rider. The man's torso has no legs, but its arms can reach the ground from its position on top of the equine body. Oh, so does that mean it's just it's hugging its arms around its tummy maybe to stay on? I think its arms are just really, really long. And it has the torso balancing staying on. They're fused together. Oh. It's all one thing. Oh, duh. That makes total sense. So it yeah. looks like a, a bad, yeah. you know, it's like a simulacrum uh-huh. of a man riding a horse. It's as if a demon saw a guy riding a horse and was like, oh, this is what people look like yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And just took the shape of a man on a horse. No head? They, I mean, it has a horse head. Right, it has right, right. what looks no... like a man's head. But oh, it's it all just have... like, yes. yeah. Weird. It's one gross being. It's like a cat dog. Yeah. Of a man and a horse. I wonder if the if the man face can express and stuff like that, or if it's just this like frozen visage or visage, um, visage, visage. <laughs> There's Michelle Visage from Drag Race. A I frozen think that's why. visage. Yeah. <laughs> I think it can. I think it can. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the legs of the, the horse parts of the body have fin like appendages. The torso has a large head 
that rolls back and forth. So again, it's not like a head. It's like the sh- it's like a circular thing on yeah. a torso shaped thing with really long arms. Yeah, but it's not a head really. Right. So it's a head shape. So it's just kind of up there, like lolling around. I don't like that one little bit. It's very. Yeah, it really. I'm like a lolling head. No, it feels similar to you pointed out last week the idea that demons make fun Uh of humanity. Yes, it does feel like that. Right to to like tease the fact that we are disgusting animals, creature. Yeah, 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 we're crude Uh beings. Yeah, it's like well, this is what you look. Yeah, they have this bobble thing on top. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The most important part of our body Mm -hmm. contains the the brain, who we are entirely, and to this demon, it is. Yeah. Nothing. It is just like another sort yeah. of like it's like a weird appendage slopping around, right? Like bag of meat. Uh, the equine has an enormous gaping mouth that exudes a smelly, toxic vapor, and a single giant eye like a burning red flame. That's sweet. A particularly gruesome detail is that the Nukalavi has no skin, black blood courses through yellow veins and the pale sinews and powerful muscles are visible as a pulsing mass. Do you think that J.K. Rowling took any inspiration from that for Thestrals? Aren't Thestrals just sort of like deathly thin? They're super duper thin and they have kind of like, I think it's basically just kind of leathery skin on bone. It's like reptilian to me. I think so, but it is black. Yeah. I don't know. It just reminds me because there's not real like muscle mass. It or is like a there. like a hell horse. Yeah, thing. yeah. And yeah. again, you're right. There, I mean, there are a bunch of different kind of hell horses, but yeah, they have like a very very thin black horse. Just reminds me of a Thestral. Yeah. Some say it resembles a centaur. Additional descriptions go on to say that the man's head has a mouth projected like that of a pig. Again, sort of mocking the yeah. sort of bestial nature of right. humanity. So the, the the human-shaped head has a pig snout. That's hard for me to picture. It's very hard to picture. Yeah, yeah I guess just picture like a porky pig yeah. and then remove the skin. Ugh, God, this thing <laughs> looks horrible. Yeah, it's not – it doesn't look good. I could have no. just said instead, it looks terrible. Yeah. And the creature's mouth is, quote, like a whale's. That I definitely couldn't picture. I don't know what that means. This is a wild creature. Yeah. It is a wild creature. It's hard yeah. to get an image of. Some it's people crazy... have like posted some weird art. Yeah, yeah. Online, crazy yeah. chimera. Uh, now the islanders uh, needed to burn seaweed. Mm-hmm. They were trying to create something called soda ash, which is used to do stuff to the soil. You can make soap out of it. It's like a a thing that it's a tool they yeah. needed to create, and it's believed that the smoke from burning the seaweed enraged the nukalavi. Uh. The sucker went nuts. Yeah. He likes dirty water. Yes. He likes smoke. That's too dry. I like dirty water. Yeah. Not smelly smoke. That's right. Get it right. <laughs> it spread the plague. It killed cattle and crops, infected horses with a disease known as Mortasheen. Mm. Morten Sheen. Martin Sheen. Well, it sounds like a delightful disease. <laughs> The creature was blamed for prolonged periods of abnormally low rainfall, leading to water shortages and poor harvests. Story has it that Tamis, who encountered mm-hmm. it and gave us those depictions of the black blood through yellow veins, yeah. um, managed to escape the Nukalavi after he inadvertently splashed it with water from the lock he was oh. standing alongside. 
This briefly distracted the monster, allowing Tamis to run over to a nearby channel of fresh water and jump to safety on the opposing bank. So essentially this thing is now writhing in yeah. agony and he's escaped across a little creek. Yeah. And he's totally safe. Safe, yeah. I also, That's the line. I also love the like happenstance of the escape. Right. The right. pure luck of like, oh my God, I don't even know what I did yet, but I did something that distracted it. Yeah. I just barely escaped from this. Yeah. Thing. Like you had to go back to his old Scottish lab and figure this out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now what happened there? Yeah. The Nukalavi wants blood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now here's the thing. The, the Nukalavi is a water horse. Yeah, right. It's one of many. So I started to Google, what are the other water horses and are they similar? Do they all have the same disposition? Mm -hmm. The answer is kind of no. It's yeah. almost like having a species of something. Yeah. It has different, you know, uh, needs in life. It has sure. different motivations, different, different. It's coming from different places. Yeah, different strokes for different folks. Right. But I did find out about the Kelpie. Mm -hmm. which seems to be... Oh, yeah, that's a word I've heard. Yeah, I think it might be in Harry Potter. I think you might be right. Right? Yeah. Um, but this seems to be where the water horse story began uh -huh. with the Kelpie. Um, it's a cute name. Is it a little bit of the softer side of Sears? Like, are Kelpies nice at all? No, they they seem to be less like I think of the Nukalavi as really being like a like a rabid animal. Yes, that's just like if I see not you, to be reasoned with or appeased in any way. Uh, You're not gonna be able uh, to give uh. it a treat. Yeah. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to kill you. Mm -hmm. That's what the, it sounds like. The Kelpie is like, huh? Yeah, I might kill you. Yeah, if you cross me, I might kill you. Mm -hmm. I might trick you and kill you. Okay, but it also it all also just kind of like strikes me as like. I'm an animal and I need to eat, mm -hmm. and um, I'm going to eat you. Yeah, you have so to be So it's like here. I don't have a vendetta. Right. I'm just but I'm trying know. to survive. Yeah. And you look like food. It's no different from a turtle hunting a berry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As they say. I bet it's a lot less cute. Think of a turtle's mouth. <laughs> you have a turtle eating a berry. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like it's yeah. the animal kingdom. Is what I get here versus the Nukalavi, which is like, I'm not even hungry, but right. I'm here to rip and tear. Right, right. Oh, right. rip and tear. Rip and tear. So the Kelpie can also shapeshift, uh, can turn into a human, but when it shapeshifts, it still retains its hooves. Oh. That is what led to the association of well, the Kelpie to the devil. Really try to camouflage those. If it's trying to like get around and like right. pass as human, that's got to be tough. Just walks around with its like pants around its yeah, ankles yeah, yeah. to cover yeah, its feet. Yeah, we're in Jenkos. Oh, Jank. Oh, my God. Kelpies must have thrived during the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Perfect, perfect conditions. <laughs> Jankos. Yeah. Devil. Wasn't the devil the... <laughs> Seriously, wasn't the it the, the mascot of Jinko? Oh, maybe you're right. Wasn't it a cute little devil thing? I, I really don't know. I, I don't know. I bet it was so that know, the jeans would bunch about the feet. I know there were a lot of, like, devil stickers around that time. Well, that's true. So I'm not sure whether it was the logo or that was just something that we would put on our... Binders and yeah, stuff. I, yeah, that, that is most certainly true. Mm -hmm. Inescapable. Yep. Um, now, this is where I found out that nearly every sizable body of water in Scotland has an associated Kelpie story. Cool. Almost everything. And obviously, the biggest of them all is Loch Ness. Yeah. Um, said to be a horse with the mane of serpents, kind of like Medusa. Cool. Also, sometimes you can spot a Kelpie when it's turned into a human because it will have seaweed in its hair. <laughs> Which I like. Yeah. All right. Here's where it gets so uh, a little grosser. A okay. Little not nice. It takes its victims into the water, devours them, and throws their entrails onto the water's edge. Gross. Don't need these. No. Its back can elongate to carry multiple riders into the depths. 
Now, here's a story of how this works. Okay. A common theme in the tales is of several children clamoring onto the creature's back while one remains on the shore. Oh, no. This last one, the kid still standing on the shore, reaches out to pet the horse, but its hand sticks to its neck. In some variations, he then has to cut off his fingers or entire hand to free himself. He survives, but the other children are carried off and drowned. God. Some, in some bummer. variations, they never find yeah. any sign of what happened to the kids. In some of them, it's like, well, yeah, the, the entrails of one of the kids was like thrown onto the beach. Right. Yeah. Man, the Kelpie story is dark. I'm surprised that it wasn't just that like his hand sticks and the Kelpie swims away and it rips his hand off. Because oh, the idea yeah. of a kid cutting off his own hand doesn't seem that feasible to me. It's real weird. It's, yeah. it's, it makes me think of the grossness of Cinderella, like the original Cinderella yeah, story that's of like true. Yeah. cutting off your heel and toes to fit in the slippers. But they're adults. I don't know. It's hard to – again, if we're living in the world of this story where we're saying that Kelpies are real and everything – I just don't think a, a child would have the the rationale and understanding of like, oh, I have to amputate my arm. Why does it this feels, kid have a pocket knife? Yeah, all of it seems weird. Like, yeah. I just don't understand how that happens. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, maybe some of the Band-Aid for that is that it's yeah. probably Scotland several mm -hmm. hundred years ago. Yeah, maybe. Things were probably significantly hairier. Yeah, maybe kids like had to grow up real fast. Yeah. So like they do have a pocket knife on themselves. And they're like, well, I guess it has to come off. Yeah, and and yeah. like, you know, the kid For is me to live. the kid is like seven years old and they're like, Oh, I knew it would come someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, today is the day. I knew I'd have to do it someday. Don't get <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um in some versions the kid survives because he has a Bible in his pocket. So oh, it all okay. gets sort of merged with, you know. Yeah. Religious myth. Yep. Uh, there's a description of a Kelpie adopting the guise of a wizened old man, mm. continually muttering to himself while sitting on a bridge, stitching a pair of trousers. <laughs> Is he using um, seaweed as the stitching I apparatus? That's what could give him away. I assume that it looks like crap. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the Kelpies. It can't be a good pair of trousers. No. Yeah. It probably unless, looks like garbage. Unless the Kelpies learned how to stitch as kind of a survival technique. If they're going to be up on land posing this way, they better do it right. All right. If a Kelpie wears pants, does wear them like this or like this? Have yeah. you seen those memes of like how would a horse wear pants? No. Oh, it's all over the internet. It's like, would they wear them just on their hind legs and so they're pulled up around the no, butt? No, I haven't seen that. Or since all four legs are down would it be jeans that cover all four legs so they're more like leg warmers basically not even just that oh, like, i can see it you I know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah <laughs> whatever but like i also i also imagine that this kelpie that's masquerading as an old man muttering to himself yeah it's not that he's muttering to himself it's that a kelpie is not human yeah it's not speaking a language right. it's imitating the way that humans sound right i like that so have you ever seen that thing it's so hard to think of but like if you don't know the language when you hear somebody speak it, you're not hearing like words and sentences. You don't hear the yeah. structure. You hear the the like vocal kind tonations of, like a of the melody. words. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. there are ways that you can uh, uh, trick what it sounds like um, it, to hear English as if you're not an English speaker. Have you ever heard people do that? No. It's like like yeah, stuff on like YouTube. They find a way to to be like these are the sounds of English. It's probably a lot of like things ending in question sounding. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so you're just like, I imagine walking past this old man who's He's like, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're like, well, that I don't, are you okay, sir? Right. Or at least I would be. But yeah. instead, a passing local truck hit it on the head. 
Oh my God. Causing it to revert to its equine form and scamper back to its lair in a nearby pond. Yikes. Confirming, I think, uh-huh. that this thing was not doing a passable job of Doesn't looking Doesn't sound human. like it. No, no, no. no. Not no. at all. No, this person in a truck could clock that this wasn't right. That's not a then, person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but how scary is that, too, to that be driving in a scary. truck and be like, see that old man? That's not a human. Yeah. Uh, other accounts describe the Kelpie when appearing in human form as a rough, shaggy man who leaps behind a solitary rider, gripping and crushing him, or as tearing apart and devouring humans. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, that was all dark. That was yeah. all pretty dark. So let's bring it home okay. with something a little bit lighter. Sure. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a relative of the Nukalavi mm-hmm. called the Nuggle. <laughs> Is the nuggle nice? The nuggles, the nuggle still might kill you. Okay, right? all right. If the nukalavi, so these are all degrees. Yeah. Maybe is the nukalavi the scariest? Then kelpies are kind of in the middle, and yeah. are nuggles a little bit more. Nuggles are like, ah, I might try to kill yeah. you, but yeah. like, I'm just a pony. Yeah, a little more benign. I think yeah. the nuggle just kind of likes to feel mm-hmm. like a pony. <laughs> Honestly, who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the mischievous counterpart, mm-hmm. as it's described to the nukalavi. He has a fairly uh, gentle disposition and is more prone to playing pranks than causing outright yeah. harm, perhaps considered to be a fallen angel, oh. also known as Shupilti or Shupulti. <laughs> All of these names are nice. <laughs> They're very nice. Nuggles are always male and they like to be near water. They are still shapeshifters, but they seem to prefer to inhabit the form of a nice, well-fed horsey. Sometimes they'll trick unsuspecting passersby into mounting them uh, by appearing to be tame and standing tranquilly at the side of a path. Just making eyes like, mm, I'm so cute. Want to go to town on yeah. me? I'd be happy to help. I'd be happy to take you to town. I can carry multiple bags of grain. And then once the person clambers on top, the nuggle's like, yeah. got ya. And then they immediately make for the nearest deep deep water. But I'm under the impression <laughs> that like, as they go into the water, you're just like, ah, damn. Yeah. I got tricked by another nuggle. It's a nuggle? Come on. Ah, now my oats are wet. Yeah. <laughs> my satchels of oats. Are sogged. This whole pond's gonna be oatmeal in three, two, one. <laughs> three, two, one. Um, it's another cautionary tale. Yeah. Sort of all of this. Kasha, merry tale. <laughs> Kasha. A little oatmeal humor. Uh, the idea is that parents and grandparents would pass on the stories of the Nuggle, of the water horses, of the Nukalavi even, teaching kids to avoid going too near to the water. Yeah. An additional wrinkle specific to the Nuggle was that if you stand far enough away from the water, you might hear the Nuggle sing a pleasant tune. Oh, that's nice. If you stand far enough from the water. Yeah, if you come close... What happens? It pipes down because it can tell you're there? You're, it's too dangerous for you to be so close to the water. So is the idea... If you back up, I'll sing. <laughs> I don't want you to get hurt. Or is the idea that the Nuggle is always in the water singing, but it doesn't It doesn't want to be caught. So as long as you're oh, far enough away... It you'll won't be know able you're to, there. Yeah, you'll be able to hear it, but if you come too close, you're alerting the Nuggle to your presence, so it's going to stop singing. Maybe. Maybe it's shy about its singing voice. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Uh, come seek us where our voices sound. We right. cannot sing above the ground. Mm-hmm. The um, Nuggles call. Yeah. <laughs> and our something you'll have to look. 
to recover yeah, what we do. For that to work, you have to rhyme. It's like took. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, look. To look, re- took. No, oh, that, no works. that works. Yeah. Whatever. But like, I there are so few cautionary tales yeah. that are about like, yeah, for for sure, go there. But stand Not far enough close. away. Not too close. Just yeah. go, but don't go too close. It's a cautionary tale of moderation. Yes, it is. It is. It doesn't. You don't find have the to, sweet spot. You don't have to totally abstain. Yeah. But be careful. Find the sweet spot. You can hear the sweet sound of a nuggle. Yeah. Yeah, you'll enjoy it as long as you're not too close to the dangerous shore. <laughs> I'm picturing Nuggles as kind of like a My Little Pony yeah, sort of thing. They're definitely the, the kindest of the water horses yeah. that I presented to you. I'm picturing pink, but kind of a dingy pink. Like if you took pink and you mix a little gray into it. Okay. I feel like that's the color of the Nuggle. Of the Nuggle? The signature color of the Nuggle. What I saw made it look like a glowing horse like like a shining like if it were pitch black outside it would still kind of like faintly glow Uh uh-huh it's like good yeah in a weird way it's gonna play a prank on you right and again i didn't see anything with the nuggle specifically about like it's gonna drag you into the water to drown you right but it's more like it's gonna inconvenience you like "Ah, like, yeah just don't trust it too much nuggle it's an animal (laughs) got ya (laughs) (laughs) little horse laughing at you from inside the water Um, there you have it. Water horses. There are a million, by the way. That's you can't, you can't look up a single one of these pages without also seeing like, there's the knock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Morag. Yeah. And it's like all these specific, you know, Scottish locks and yeah. ponds and lakes and whatever. They all have them. There's That's a lot awesome. Of them, but these are the big ones. Who knew? Yeah. I guess Scots. I guess that, yeah, Scottish people know. know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Now, William, from the Isles of Scott to the pink wrinkles of the mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let us journey. Okay. Let's please. I'm going to talk to you about dreams. Okay. The concept of dreams, what people have thought throughout history about dreams and what is the deal with dreams yeah. and kind of what we know about them today. Okay. So I think that this is maybe a little bit of a tough fit for Gods in the Unknown. It's because it's not explicitly like scary or monstrous or whatever, but it is mysterious. Like we even today, you know, the things that we know about dreams, we kind of you know, like sort of no. Right. Like a lot of the things I read were that they're thought to be blah, blah, blah. We still don't really know for sure. And how I came around to the topic was that I mentioned when we were talking about the show to our sister Lynn a few days ago, and we were talking about the kinds of things we cover. We were like, we do monsters, we do hauntings, we do sometimes just do strange occurrences and things like deja vu. And I had that on the brain. And then I was like, what's another thing like deja vu that humans experience that's like not totally explained. And we just take for granted like this is normal but it's very weird and dreams are kind of that oh i couldn't agree more it's very very weird that every night like going to sleep is its own thing you could i I would think that aliens might look down on us and be like this is strange it's weird they lie dormant for eight hours for a third of the day they are motionless exactly they lie basically unconscious yeah which seems to then power them back up and then they start again. That's weird. Yeah. And then during that, we have these emotional experiences with visuals and kind of like a melodrama that we have no control over. Right. They just kind of happen to us. And we just kind of take for granted that that's a thing. 
it's very, very weird. And so if it's weird to us today who kind of do have the ability to measure brain chemicals and things like that and understand it in a way, it is understandably much stranger to earlier humans who didn't have access to oh. that kind of science who are like, what happens? Yeah. Like, I go to sleep and like this world happens. I see a bunch me. of stuff and it doesn't seem to have really occurred. Yeah. It's really, really weird. So unsurprisingly. Why last night I tilled the field yeah. and yet I wake up this morning to it's, find it. The grains are fully grown once again. <laughs> what a grain talk in this episode. A lot episode. of grains. <laughs> grains were really important. They were. If we were born in a different crouch. time period. Yeah. This would have been like a grain cast. We yeah. talked about like the coolest grains around. There are so many of them. Yeah. I got some new grains introduced to me recently. I don't even know what they're called. I got them, from, got them from H Mart. That's fine because I don't want to know. The packaging <laughs> isn't in English. Not sure. They just seemed like an interesting grain to eat, and I'll tell you what they have been. They have been. So, I can understand. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I was moving on to something well, else. I, it's you. not that I can understand something about grains. Oh, okay. Ba- back, to, okay. back to dreams. All right, you had transitioned. I transitioned. Understood. We were going to get there. So I can understand why back in the day before science and everything, um, people thought they, – they ascribed a lot of like supernatural meaning to dreams because it's this very strange, honestly, kind of otherworldly seeming thing yeah. if you remove all that other stuff. Um, so in a lot of ancient cultures, dreams were seen as a form of divination. Um, so divination meaning like a way to kind of find out answers from either people who had passed or some sort of other realm in that same sort of, um, vein, a communication from another realm coming to you. So whereas divination might be kind of decoding that and looking for it and asking for it, they could also just be communications that are just kind of happening to you and you kind of take that for what it is and even something that could be healing. So... The earliest dream interpretation book. So like if you Google dream, uh, you know, dictionary or things like that, you will find a million websites that go like thing by thing. I, I can't even say just like object by object, concept by concept, yeah. anything that would be like, oh, you had a dream about bugs. It means this. It means that. That seems to have started um, back in ancient Egypt. So there are early, early dream interpretation books from ancient Egyptians. Um, and they seem to believe that dreams were messages from the gods. And their view, specifically of um, ancient Egyptians' Egyptians' view of dream theory was that they kind of believed in a theory of opposites. So like to them, dreaming about death meant that you would have a long life. Like they felt like it was maybe this kind of like mirror world yeah. kind of through the looking glass where it's it's opposite day in your dreams. And so you can kind of inter- interpret things with that law in mind. Um, they also thought that dreams might be playing out adventures that your soul was having while you were sleeping, leaving your body. Like you're kind of viewing what your soul is up to while you're unconscious. I like that. I do too. I think it's really cool. So basically kind of like playing things out literally on another dimension rather than you just thinking that this is part of your imagination that's doing stuff, which is very, very cool. But they also thought even though your soul was separate from you and it might be doing this whole other thing, that it might be affecting your life in some way. So you could see this, you could wake up from a dream and be like, oh, my soul was going on this, you know, long journey through the desert. Like, I wonder if that means that that's in store for me in my physical body and my waking life. Right. Um, 
there was also an ancient ritual that kind of spanned across a bunch of different cultures called incubation, which was a religious practice of sleeping in a sacred area with the intention of experiencing a divinely inspired dream or cure for some sort of ailment that you might have. And it was practiced, again, across cultures, but um, people like the Hebrews, certain Christian sects, and ancient Greeks were ancient Greeks were especially into it. Okay. So particularly the Greeks were very, very into incubation. I think this is very cool. So back in the day, Greeks constructed temples for health called, and this is hard to pronounce, Asclepions. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go with that. And it sounds like they were basically like ancient, like gym spa health retreat things where they would have, um, they would have a gym so that you could work out your body and everything but they also had libraries theaters basically stuff that keeps your body and and your mind mind healthy like stimulated and you know active and doing stuff and also your spiritual life so there'd be temples and things like that too so all those parts of you are kind of activated and the idea of that is that you're going to be healthier for that unsurprisingly and these places were named after the Greek god um, Asclepius, who was the first Greek doctor demigod. So sort of bridging that sort of early, early science and divinity sort of thing. So the signature feature of Asclepions um, were the incubatio practice, um, also known as temple sleep. So it's that incubation thing where you're going to sleep and you're hopefully receiving knowledge that's going to help you feel better through your dream. And when you're doing it at Nesclepion, you're doing it for like you're trying to sleep with that express purpose and intention. Whereas maybe the idea of those things coming to you in your sleep might just happen here and there in the rest of your life. You're sleeping in this spot in this temple with the express purpose of those things coming to you. Interesting. And coming to you in a very specific way for Asclepion sleep, uh, Asclepion temple sleep. So the patients who went to the Asclepions would go to sleep in the, in the temple with the expectation that they were going to be visited by Asclepius himself or one of his children who were all kind of in the healing practice. And they would be told through their dream by them what to do about their ailment when they wake up. That's so cool. I know. And I wonder, I couldn't find, and I assume that it was done collectively. Like there are a bunch of people sleeping in those temples all together. And I wonder if they kind of thought that there would be some sort of like collective power harness through them all sleeping with this intention, this purpose, and like kind of asking for this healing from Asclepius, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the idea of just being like, I've got an appointment with Asclepius. Yeah, right. So you can take a midday nap. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really not feeling good. I think I need a round of temple sleep. Oh. And then they do whatever they would do back then instead of be on your phone while you're sleeping. They're like looking at a tablet. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> we look at tablets. I, I know. And I don't mean an iPad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's really interesting that you could theoretically lie mm-hmm. about what Asclepius says that you need. So that you could, yes. you know, you could be like, he told me that I need to eat more mozzarella and sleep more. That's true. Or more grains, William. More grains. More grains, Eclespius prescribes. He told me to eat mozzarella, grains, and tomatoes. (laughs) Told me to combine them all into the shape of a triangle. (laughs) That would be my dearest wish. My intention when I laid down (laughs) for my temple sleep would be like, Asclepius, please come to me. Heal me. (laughs) Perhaps the combination of grains, mozzarella, and tomato. (laughs) Maybe a little basil on top. Basil. Tomato. (laughs) I have no idea if that's yeah. how Greeks pronounce tomato. I 
I would imagine. No idea. I would imagine. Tomato. Yes. Tomato. <laughs> Make it well done, please. I don't like it when the crust is too soft. That won't heal me. That'll hurt me. Could you stuff the crust? Yeah. <laughs> if you have any of that seasoning, that... Papa John. <laughs> Father John. I know. I was just trying to think. Father like, John offered God me. John or whatever offered me. And that please, gar- Asclepius. That garlic sauce. Would it kill you to throw in some crazy bread? <laughs> A pepperoncini might be particularly healing to me during this time. <laughs> Papa John special. Father John. Father John. <laughs> Father John. <laughs> So you might think if you're going to sleep for this temple sleep that the pressure is on. Like if you wake up and you haven't been visited by Asclepius, you're like, oh, crap, I'm like out of luck. What am I going to do? But not the case. So if you didn't dream about Asclepius and hopefully you did at least remember your dream, that wasn't necessarily a failure. You just needed that dream kind of decoded by somebody whose job was to do that. So there was a special priest who did that, um, who would interpret their dream for them and prescribe a cure um, based on what those symbols corresponded to, which often um, often encompasses encompass things like visiting the baths or going to the gym. So apparently the things that they were afflicted with weren't so super serious, I guess, when they're going to the Asclepions. Maybe it's like, I don't know, maybe there are degrees. Maybe if you had something that was very, very serious and life-threatening you weren't going to an asclepion for this kind of treatment maybe you're going to an actual doctor at that time but it seems like prescriptions like going to the baths and maybe sweating it out or whatever or going to the gym were appropriate for the problems because according to written accounts from back then the suggested cures were highly effective like most people came to this clepions had their temple sleep and either used the cure that they had in their dream or were told to do by the priest and felt a lot better wow so All right. you know whatever works basically. i guess yeah if it did the trick sure yeah so then this is these are two things that are just kind of like legends around dreams that I thought were super cool before we understood dreams a little bit more. Um, this first one is a Japanese legend about a spirit animal who was first called a baku, known as a dream eater, which I think is so sweet. Is that from something, by the way? Yeah, why does that B A K K U? Uh, B A K U. But is dream eater a thing? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's really. Is this familiar. Sort of Stephen Kingy thing? Dream Eater. Well, he wrote Dream Catcher. Oh, man, that's what I'm thinking with of. With Well, we'll get to that. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I remember Dad listening to the audiobook of that. Yeah. Oh. That's pretty brutal. No, no. <laughs> um, No, but anyway, so the Baku was a dream eater who would come into people's homes in the middle of the night, which sounds scary, but he came to devour their nightmares. Oh. Leaving them with pleasant dreams. So it's a benevolent creature, a protector, and said to be kind of pig-like with a long snout. And then that made me wonder, could that – could the idea kind of be that it was like sniffing out the bad dreams like a truffle pig? Yeah, a truffle pig. Yeah, yeah. Snorting around to find the yummy nightmares. What's up with pig people? I know. I don't know. People with pig faces. I know. They're coming up a lot today. I wonder if we're going to have dreams about pig people because of this. Maybe. Not Come meet my dreams, Baku. Yeah. Please, Baku. Um, <laughs> Watch a place of my dream, Baku. Maybe it, maybe like the Baku isn't so much like eating your bad dreams, but if you're sleeping and you just hear the sounds of like a pig sniffing around you, it just kind of gives you good dreams because pigs are really cute. <laughs> hey, Baku. Yeah. Hey, Baku. Just you like know, cozy. You know, 
two nights ago. Yeah. I, I don't sleep very well. Uh-huh. I don't like going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole thing. <laughs> not for you. That's not for me. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, but I was I was lying in bed. I was probably playing Words with Friends. Mm-hmm. Will Rogers 2000, Words with Friends. Yeah. I'm big Chrissy on Words with Friends. I just downloaded it today. I saw that. I challenged you. I know. I didn't get to do it yet. I played. Worry. I played the word pony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was perfect. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, challenge us on words with friends. Anyway, mm-hmm. I was playing something on my phone, whatever, and then Allie from beside me Snorted. turns. She turns to me and she goes, Don't talk to them. Oh my God. And I went, What? And she went, Don't talk to them. And I very immediately started fumbling to try to record yeah, yeah, what was yeah. going on. But by the time that I hit record, she it was, was she was already like what are you doing? Don't record yeah. me. What she was, she was like snapping out of it. She was coming out of it. Yeah. But it was really, really alarming. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. Did she have any memory of like what the deal was? She had no idea what it was about. But I will say God. that while we were in Iceland, mm-hmm. we would drive, you know, for like five hours yeah. through nothing but farms. Most of the time there'd be nothing. Sometimes there'd be a sheep farm. And literally, I would say probably 90% of the time that we drove past a sheep farm, uh-huh. uh, one of us would go like, hey, it's sheep. And I would go, don't look at us. And then Allie would go, yeah, don't talk to us. Oh, so maybe. Exactly. So I, I wonder if it was that. But it was so like – it was so yeah, much more scary, sinister, like, so yeah, much more dangerous. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. Don't look at us. Yeah, that's, that's not quite the same. A bunch of sheep that have nothing around them. And don't talk to us. You should think back to those sheep farms when you're trying to go to sleep and count them. You're right. I should. I should. And imagine them saying stuff to you in that little voice. But truly. Bring you into a lovely sleep. I know I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know it's the whole point, but counting sheep, what could be more boring? I know. It's... That seems like just torture. That's not like lulling yourself to sleep. That's just like, oh. Sometimes I'll literally just count. Slog. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That works. Yeah. There are no sheep. There's just numbers. Yeah. That's better. For some reason, the idea of counting sheep seems more tedious. Counting a thing. Yeah. Like, I guess when I think of counting there's sheep, one. I picture them like- You have like, to wait for them to jump over the fence? Yes. I picture them jumping over a fence, which seems more annoying. At least counting, you can kind of get yourself in like a little bit of a weird trance, maybe. Right. Which then kind of- Knocks but what out. if like sheep forty five do- takes a sweet time? Right, exactly. It's like annoying. <laughs> He's too busy grazing. Yeah. yeah. To jump. And who can blame him? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, let's see. Okay, so the legend of Baku changed over time, basically, and evolved. Eventually, with Baku's name being changed to Mo, and becoming a chimera, um, which is a combination of animals. So Mo has the legs of a tiger, the head of the head of an elephant, and the eyes of a rhino. Oh. And basically, same deal. Mo is still going to come and take your nightmares away, leaving you with good dreams. But legend became that for it to come protect you, you had to draw a sketch of it before you went to sleep. Oh, that's interesting. I know. It is interesting. Um, which makes me wonder if the way this evolved at all, could this at all be parents like telling their kids to do this? Yeah. And it's kind of like challenging and and hard to draw that idea of a chimera with all these aspects so maybe it kind of puts their kid in like a little bit of like a focused sleepy dreamy mode maybe i mean sleep it's kind of a cute thing to be like it's a dreamlike creature that has yeah. a bunch of different parts yeah it, it like works on dream logic but what a major rebranding from baku to mo i know i don't know how it happened oh hey mo yeah hey mo baku sounds like it's, it sounds dreamier and sleepier. Something Baku the, sounds... the ooh, the Baku. Baku. It's nice. That's like a little... It's like whispery. Yeah, it's a little creature-y. Yeah, yeah. Mo. Mo. Oh, hey, Mo. Oh, hey, Mo. Thanks for coming by. 
Mo, that was you a want, good dream you, you just had. You want some ate. of my nightmares? All right, Mo. <laughs> All right. All right, take her. See you next time, Mo. <laughs> and hey, I'll try and make you a little bit, uh, I'll try to draw you a little bit better tomorrow. Yeah, okay? yeah, How's yeah. that, Mo? Uh, hey, who's the best dreamer around this yeah. trend? Let's go to the leaderboard, Mo. Yeah. A little more abrupt. Yeah. So now let's talk about dream catchers, the concept of dream catchers. And this is really neat. So the idea of a dream catcher, which I bet you guys can probably picture, but usually if you think of a dream catcher, it would be something that's somewhat circular, at least something that has a shape that's open in the middle with um, yarn or something else kind of crisscrossing it like a spider web, basically. Um, and where that came from is that there was a legend from the Native American Ojibwe tribe. Um, and the story was that there was someone called the Spider Woman who watched over the tribe. And every morning, she built literal spider webs to capture the sun and bring it to the people of the tribe. And the idea was that the morning dew that hangs off of a spider web is reflecting the morning light and capturing it, basically. Oh. So when you wake up and you see that, that's a gift from the Spider Woman bringing you the sun. Okay. Which is really sweet. But then as time went by and the tribe spread out she was no longer able to watch over everybody and bring them all this sunlight through the spider webs so she allowed them to start building their own webs the dream catchers through which instead of bringing them the sunshine in the morning she would protect them from nightmares at night so the legend is that if they hung the dream catchers over their beds at night the good dreams would filter through the holes and come to you, but the bad dreams would get stuck on the strands huh. and stay away from you. I knew that it was about catching bad dreams, like yeah. keeping nightmares away. Mm -hmm. uh, is it like these things are coming toward your head and going through it, or they're like coming out of your head? I think coming toward. It? Coming toward you? I think so, because if it's catching the bad dreams, if it was coming from your head, they would already be, I mean, they that means that they have, would have yeah. been in your head and coming True. out. So I think, I know, that I wondered that too. Like, what does that say about where dreams come yeah, from? Yeah, dreams maybe? come from out there. Right. Are bad dreams like globby? Like, why do they get stuck on the? I think that I think that the idea is maybe that like spiritually, those pieces of yarn are, are somewhat sticky. Not literally, but there's something about them that catches. Like the same and way, good dreams are pure. Uh -huh. Like good dreams and they just can just, pass. They can just yeah, pass yeah, yeah. right through the holes. Maybe it almost. I mean. Maybe it's almost like there's some sort of intelligence to good dreams. Like maybe they they know how to make their way because maybe they're a little bit divinely guided or something like that. Yeah. They're meant to come to you, and the bad dreams can kind of like get stuck because they're impure. Right, making that up entirely, I have no sure. idea. But yeah, but possible. Um, which is an awesome story. I didn't I didn't really know that was the origin of dream catchers. Yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about what we touched on in the beginning, the modern idea of symbology and dreams and how you can kind of decode that and where that comes from in more modern day. So there are two schools of thought that shaped a lot of people's ideas about dreams and analysis today, Sigmund Freud's ideas and Carl Jung's ideas. So they were both psychologists or psychiatrists brain studiers um, who were friends and colleagues and Freud kind of came earlier and was more of a pioneer in the field and then Jung came off came a little later and he kind of split off from Freud's ideas even though he learned from him a lot and had his own thoughts on stuff yeah so Freud thought that dreams signified kind of a coded fulfillment of a wish that you have repressed something that you want but that you're not really allowing yourself to act out in real life and so you're acting it out in your dreams and that um dreams were like more often than not about sex in one way or another right. they always kind of boiled down to a repressed wish that had to do with sex um 
And so he thought that there were symbols, like specific symbols that we could take to mean different things. And he wrote a book in 1899 called The Theory of Dreams, which is kind of a place that more modern dream dictionaries still kind of use some symbology and um, definitions from. So then Carl Jung, who I, th- I think it's Jung and not Jung. I feel is like it I'm Jung? Being, I always I said Jung. So. Is it like Jungian archetypes? I know. I don't know why I think that. And I'm feeling pretentious right now. I'm going to switch to Jung because I'm more sure. comfortable with it. But I feel like I've heard people say Jung. Do as you please. Thank you, William. Um, so he was kind of practicing in the early to mid-1900s. He thought dreams held importance, but that they didn't really even need to be decoded. Like, that's sort of arbitrary because they're doing work just in and of themselves. You don't need to, like, learn about that and then act on them. The act of everything that should happen from a dream is happening within your subconscious while you're sleeping in that dream. No need to act on anything additional. And that they had the function of integrating our conscious and unconscious minds, which he called individuation. And he thought that dreams weren't hiding things. There weren't symbols that you have to then be like, oh, this means that. They could tell us things just based on what they're presenting to you, basically. Um. So here are some, just a few of the common things that happen in a lot of our dreams and common ideas of what they might mean according to like Freudian dream analysis. So showing up somewhere naked or nudity in a dream could mean vulnerability and anxiety. Unsurprisingly, because you're literally vulnerable in a position of nudity. So the idea is that maybe you're anxious about something and you're feeling exposed right? and you're kind of working it out that way in your dream. Um, dying could mean that you want to make a change, not necessarily that you're going to die or fearing death. Um, although it could, because there is also still the whole Freudian, like sometimes a cigar is just a cigar thing, but it could also be symbolizing like wanting to make a change or kind of rebirth, like a death and rebirth somewhere that you might want to do that in your life. Um, teeth falling out, I know is a common dream and it's said to symbolize a lack of confidence if teeth are symbolizing confidence in this. And I'm reading into this. I didn't read this, but I was wondering if they symbolize confidence, not only because they lead to like the literal sustenance of your life, like by eating your, I mean, during eating, you're using your teeth. So confidence in your human form and your continuation on earth. But I also wonder if there's anything about smiling. Yeah, I would, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah, is displaying like, confidence. You're usually smiling and feeling Putting good. on your best, like, mm-hmm. your best face. Right. So if Have you ever had out, that dream? Not. I actually haven't. I haven't had a teeth falling out dream. Neither have I. And yeah. I, I remember being taught that teeth yes. falling out notion. I know. And being it's apparently like, a really common dream. Uh, supposedly. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've heard of people talking about it. Oh, really? Yes. I've, I've never I've, heard anyone say that they've actually had it. I haven't either. Um, but I remember it coming up in a million psychology I lessons. Know. Yeah. It's a really, really common one. Um, so something that I think is interesting is that it's all relative. relative. Like, even if you're looking at this from kind of like a scientific, like psychological standpoint, it still is in a weird way, maybe even divination, but with your own mind. You're trying sure. to divine things that have to do with you, not from an outside source. So the same way that like tarot cards, which we talked about in a divination episode that was a while ago, that, you know, a, a meaning of a certain tarot card could display one thing to one person. And so it means something totally different to another person. It's the same deal with these symbols in dreams. Like what if to somebody teeth don't symbolize confidence, right. even back in their subconscious, then teeth falling out isn't 
like signaling a lack of con- confidence. It's all just it's trying totally to standardize mm-hmm. billions of people right, into which, a specific set of mm-hmm. stimulus. Right. Which, and uh, there's yeah. some things that I'm sure you can kind of do that with, but there's never anything that's absolute within right. almost any concept on earth. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Exactly, William. So I was wondering, and I didn't look this up, but I just kind of thought of it as I was writing. I wonder if, so the idea of these symbols like teeth symbolizing confidence maybe in like the western world or whatever is different than in the eastern world like i wonder if there are different dream symbols and dictionaries based on where you live yeah. and your culture right. they could mean totally different things um so just just something interesting and then speaking of culture having to do with dreams when i was researching this and i came across is that i remembered the idea that some people dream in black and white And I was wondering what the deal is with that. And apparently scientists have done studies and the vast majority of people who dream in black and white are people who grew up watching black and white TV as children. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So it's not like every kid who watched black and white TV dreams in black and white, but the majority of people who do dream black and white were children specifically watching black and white TV. Right. So it kind of speaks to like the way the things that you take in affect your subconscious in like a really kind of like base way. And that subconsciously you are treating yourself as a viewer while Mm -hmm. you're dreaming. Yeah. Right. So the thing you're viewing is in black and white because you're not really a participant. Exactly. Unless you're lucid dreaming, which is its own thing. And lucid dreaming is when you're in a dream and you're aware that you're in a dream and you can kind of control the dream with full awareness that you are sleeping right now. And this is a dream, which is a cool thing. So yeah, I wonder if people like who dream black and white, if they shift into lucid dreaming, if it stays black and white. Or if it's just like, it's just like, it just makes sense. Like yeah. I've, I've seen dead people in a number of dreams where yeah. the reaction is, sometimes it is, mm-hmm. yeah, you died. Right. Sometimes it's like, like oh, I dream black and white. That's why everything looks like this. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. or, or like sometimes it's just like, oh, well, I guess you're back. So mm-hmm. uh, what do we do now? Yeah. It's just like, it's just a fact. Yeah, totally. Your dreams are just a fact. You yeah. don't you don't necessarily always question them when you're in them. I've never had a lucid dream. I haven't either. Yeah. I mean, I've I've read stuff about like kind of training yourself to have lucid dreams, which I think is really sweet. But I've just been too lazy to do it. Yeah, I don't really care. I think it'd be really cool, but I obviously don't care enough. I've never. I I, I barely remember my dreams. It's hit and miss for me. I I remember them, you know, sometimes. So, yeah, I would say sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I th- another thing that I think is weird about dreams, at least for me, and I think I think a lot of people, I remember them in the morning and then they go away. Same. Like I usually wake up and I can remember my dream, and then like I couldn't tell you what I dreamed last it's night. It's not a real memory. It's so weird. Yeah, it's like yeah, a, it's not a real memory. No, yeah. it's like a, a memory from like a different world. Like yes. I think of dreams like. It's like a laser light show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like your brain's not allowed to be off. Right. You're right. You have to rest for your body. Your brain is yeah. part of your body, so yeah. it needs to rest. Right. But your brain never shuts off. Right. So stuff just needs to happen to mm-hmm. make sure that you don't go insane. Yeah. It's crazy. So just you present stuff to yourself and you tell yourself stories and yeah. weird stimulus from your life comes through and right. who knows why. And we yeah, we still don't totally know the purpose, yeah. which is part of what made it guide to the unknown. It's just so strange to me that this thing just happens that's like pretty otherworldly seeming and it's totally it's like being commonplace projected. it's and we all experience it we're all just like yeah yeah it's very bizarre yeah of course no last night i was uh i was seven years old again yeah yeah it's strange so also like you're saying like the, it does happen to all of us i i've met people before who say they don't dream and that's not true like again scientists have done studies and things like that that show that 
pretty much everybody dreams unless you're somebody who's had maybe a major head trauma or something like that. Even people who think they don't dream, they just don't remember their dreams. Some people just don't wake up and and genuinely just don't remember them for whatever reason. But still, the activity that's going on with the chemicals in the brain is still happening for those people. So there's probably a dream still happening. Again, we don't know. Maybe they're not, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah, we can't tell. We can't see. No. We can measure their like brain waves and be like, well, this is where dreams would be happening. Right. But and you like don't know those what they're experiencing. Are happening and right. me- measuring the chemicals that are like raising and dipping. Those things are still happening for yeah. people who say they don't dream. So they're probably dreaming. They're probably but dreaming. they probably just don't remember that. Yeah, but we can't confirm it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So here is what is happening with those chemicals. First, we kind of talked about people presuming that dreams were divination, that they were whatever. Here's what we kind of do know about them. But again, like I said, it's still like they're thought to be raises of dopamine. It's not right. like there are definitely raises of dopamine or whatever. Um, so neuroscientists have found that we have the most vivid dreams during REM sleep. So that's the sleep where you have rapid eye movement. It's the deepest form of sleep. And during REM sleep, there are surges in chemicals and activity in the parts of the brain that are associated with emotion, while there are dips in the chemicals and activity in parts of the brain that handle rationality, insight, and self-control. Now, because of those low levels of the chemicals that handle rationality and self-control, There are chemicals that we have that are able to be released because they're kind of like sneaking by. Like those rational things are like kind of out to lunch. They're like, oh, I'm going to come out to play. And those chemicals are the ones that can overstimulate the parts of your brain that respond to hallucinogens. So making you more prone to have trippy experiences. So basically, all those chemical things that are going on and areas of the brain that are letting them becoming active – leave you with the conditions where your emotions are running your emotions are running wild your rationality is low and basically you are biologically primed to hallucinate a little bit wow and that all culminates in dreams that's that's great i mean that, ex- that explains a lot quite yeah. frankly like being irrational means mm-hmm. that you can dismiss it when somebody like flies down in front of you and yeah. lands because you're irrational that makes perfect sense right exactly it it's, all makes perfect sense totally and that's why like people have you know dreams that are like so boring to tell another person where they're like i was in my middle school but it was actually like my house now right. you know what i mean like those things don't make sense together and it doesn't matter because those chemicals that keep you rational are dipping while yeah. this is happening you know, on that on that tip about how talking about dreams can be really boring. Oh yeah, Sean Chatfield from mm-hmm. Mega sixty four yeah. has said on the Mega sixty four podcast before. I think he has like four kids. Mm-hmm. He has uh, there's a rule in his family household: if you want to tell me about a dream, you get three sentences. I think that's a great rule. Three sentences. You can tell me whatever you want about that dream. Yep. But then we have to move on. It didn't really happen. Right. <laughs> Isn't that great? I think that's an excellent yeah. rule. There are a few things like dreams I think are like experiences that are very specific to you yeah. that are very boring to, oh, sure. to hear about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great to personally enjoy it. Yes. It's very hard to have the same experience when somebody tells you about their dream. Yeah. Like seldom do I have a dream that I feel is worth sharing at all. Yes. And then invariably, usually when I go like, ah, I'm going to share this one, I tend to regret it when it ends same. in like, well. I feel the exact same way. And then I, you know, and then I fell back to the ground. Yeah. So the other person's like, yeah, okay. What do you want to get for lunch? I guess you had to be there. <laughs> want to get a lunch? I feel that way. I think that um, that sort of like dream unrelatability is rampant right now on social media in the sharing of concert footage. Oh, really? Yeah. I wasn't there. It's nice to I be can't... somewhere. I'm going to sound like such an old man. Yeah. 
it's nice to be somewhere and then and go like oh, I'm gonna record. Why would I record this? Uh huh. I'm gonna enjoy this. Well, I I also yes, there's that, but I also do get the urge to record it because you're feeling something so cool right now. Yeah. You're like I want to share this feeling with people or just share it for yourself later or whatever. Just and have the it. feeling doesn't translate. No, it doesn't. Just have the feeling now. Yeah. So like lots of Insta stories are people like at shows and everything, and I'm like, Slah! yeah, exactly. And it's you know three pixels <laughs> yeah. of Garth Brooks way off yeah. in the distance, like. Yeah. Not having the same fun time watching your right. little video of it. It reminds me of the feeling of somebody telling you about their dream. For it was sure. a deep experience for you, but I got nothing. Yeah. That's boring. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. So dreams are essentially an unsolved mystery in a lot of ways. Yeah. But a very sweet one. And it's cool. It is very cool. Yeah. I uh, I do. I think I'd be remiss not to remind you and our listeners out mm-hmm. there that I was told by a psychic that yeah. I am psychic. Oh, right. I wanted to talk about that. And that my powers will come to me through my dreams. Yes, that's right. I meant to talk about that. Yeah. But I guess that's all I had to say is remember that. I, uh, I've i I've kept it in mind yeah. low these past you know few months. Sure. And um, You got anything? No, I'm not really seeing much <laughs> of anything. Not a whole lot of activity. No, I yelled at the president once and then apologized to Steve. Stephen Colbert about it. Um, I held a parasol and got launched 30 feet into the air and then softly landed back down to earth because it's an umbrella. That I enjoyed. That was kind of cool. That felt nice. <laughs> that was um, fun to hear about. Yeah, I don't uh, – yeah. I got I got pretty much nothing else. Yeah. No. Well, you can keep us posted. What's going on in your dream world? I don't remember. No? Yeah. You know, the one thing that I think is interesting about dreams mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else is that um, a lot of nightmares – uh, that sort of feeling of like you have to run from a monster and you yeah. can't get away fast enough is because one of the other side effects of sleep is putting your body on lockdown. Yeah. You yes. can't move. Right. You're you're trapped in your own body. Right. And th- this is a survival tactic so that if you're running from a monster in your dreams, mm-hmm. you don't get up and run out of bed and fall down. Yeah. So yeah. we have evolved so that our bodies shut down. Your legs don't work. Right. You don't move in your dreams. So when you're trying to run from a monster, you have the residual feeling mm-hmm. of, oh, my legs can't move. Therefore, I can't run away from this monster, resulting in that quicksand run yeah. feeling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I have had that kind of dream where I can't get away from something actually more frequently i think it's that i'm screaming and i can't i'm oh, silent that's horrible i've yeah. never had that i've had that a few times i've had it's, the, it's like there's danger and i'm trying to scream and run and i, and I think i can run but i can't scream i've yeah. definitely had the like i've got to defend us from something uh-huh. i'm gonna punch this dracula in the face yeah. <laughs> but like it's like punching through water yeah yeah and it does no damage whatsoever and then i'm like well that was all i had Oh, anything where you're like taking an action, but it's yeah. helpless is right. terrible. Yeah. Uh, miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. Um, Ugh. yeah. So that's it. Pleasant dreams. Yeah. Sister Thorn. What are dreams? We may never know. Yeah. No, you, we really might not. <laughs> we may never know. I heard it comes from the ponds. Mm. The ponds is responsible. It's a part of your brain. Really? It's what I was taught in psychology anyway. <laughs> cool. Yeah. There was some, I left out the technical termy stuff. Sure. Um, I like I like hearing about this sort of like uh, uh, early human history idea yeah. of like what this was. I really like the idea of right. a communal place where we go to I know. exercise both our mind and mm-hmm. body. Um, I think it's really interesting to all be trying to to group visit a yeah. uh, a ghost doctor in our dream world. I know. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like those things, those klepions or whatever, like kind of major wellness retreat sort of places yeah. with then like a communal nap room it's very where cool. you're trying to kind of like tap into some sort of like 
Well, I guess you're not really trying to tap into the collective unconscious, but I guess you're having this shared intention that you're hoping is strengthening because you right. all have the same thing. Maybe you'll kind of get visited. Yeah. The Esclopion said that I need another half hour in the sleep room. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's a snooze. That's what button. they said to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> they said, don't bug me. <laughs> they yeah. said, buzz off. Well, there you have yeah, it. That's it, guys, for this episode of Guide to the Unknown. Yeah. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you follow at GTTU Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to stay yep. in our little world. Yep. You can also go to Facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU Pod to join our secret society mm-hmm. where you can chat with us and other uh, people that watch or listen to this show. Yeah. Um, if you enjoy us and you want to give a little something back, hit up Patreon.com slash GTTU Pod where you can mm-hmm. donate whatever you would like monthly and uh if you want to talk to us individually on the internet hey that's an option too yeah you can do so i'm at chillin Kristen on instagram i am at the myth traveler so thank you all so much for hanging out with us once again we will be back again next week to share more weird quandaries from the quandary verse (laughs) that's a new place that i just made up but i like it we do live in the quandaryverse here. Yeah, yeah, but until the next time we talk, I gotta visit a Sclorpius. That's right, I gotta travel. What? What was his name? The doctor that visits you in your dreams? Oh, Asclepius. I was very close. Sclorpius? I said Asclepius. I mean, got... Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess. I also smart. thought you were saying a Sclorpius. I gotta visit a Sclorpius. Yeah. I'm gonna hop on the back of my water horse and visit a. What is it? Asclepius. Asclepius. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, so who knows? Because we gotta travel. That's right. We're headed to the netherworld, y'all. See you in your dreams. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.